Always helpful. When it's awkward, start clapping. I like the awkward. That would have been fine. So, <laughs> All right, so when you guys came in today, you should have seen on your sheet a Renew sticker, and you should also have seen a couple sheets of paper. So I want to make sure that everybody has those. Yeah, so if you can go ahead and just hold up uh, in both hands. I want to see the, the yellow in one hand, the black in the other. Go ahead and get that held up here. Try to make that happen all across the room. I want to make sure everybody's got it. Cool, looking good. Let's see how that shows up here. Let's see, hold, hold it up again. Try to get... Let's see if that works here. So I'm going to go ahead and use that. So I'm, I'm a huge Steelers fan, so I'm going to go ahead and post that right now. So I just want to... Thank you guys for helping me out with that. They play, the, they play America's team, the Cowboys, today. So, oh, look, Steelers. Go Steelers. Yay. So we're going to have some, uh, some fun today. Um, but I wanted to open up with a, with a question like we, we typically do. So we can go ahead and fire the question up, up, up on the screen here and just get into groups of uh, a two or three, hopefully, people that you are fine sharing your deepest, darkest secrets with. So... Um, go ahead. Today we're going to start off with a couple questions. I'll give you just a few minutes. Why is sin fun? And then what sins do you actually enjoy? So go. You have a couple minutes. All right. So it's kind of a, a difficult question, but, but it's something that we all face. So if sin wasn't fun or enjoyable, there would really be no struggle in resisting sin, would there? But, but the fact remains, there's something about sin where we, it's not so much that we want to do it, but just our, our sinful nature, we're drawn toward it. Um, I was sharing with the, in the children's ministry this morning, and, and someone brought up the point of sometimes it's just the thrill of sin, that you know you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing. I know for myself, uh, when I was a child, I was a pretty good child, but then when I was told that I couldn't do something, all of a sudden there was something in me that wanted to do it and wanted to get away with it, and it just created this whole mischievous side in me, and so sin can be fun, and, and if, if you don't agree with that, let me just list a couple of these sins that, that are, are fun. So how about gossip? Gossip can be a blast, right? It's something that, that nobody really wants to admit. Nobody wants to say, I'm guilty of gossiping. I said something between, you know, behind my friend's back. But when you have a juicy secret, don't you just want to get it to all the right people and get it kind of going out there? And if you don't think gossip is fun, then you've never been part of like a corporate you know, shuffle where, you ha where they're bringing in you know, new people and your boss is leaving, you're getting repositioned, people are leaving. Like There's so much gossip, you end up spending eight hours a day doing absolutely zero work, but just talking about everything that might happen. So gossip can be, can be a lot of fun, even though it, it is a sin. Um, another one that I think a lot of people can relate with is vengeance. You know, when, when you've been hurt, don't you love just like creating this fantasy in your mind of how you can come up with like the most creative way to get them back and they'll never even know it was you you know but once again that that's a sin but we get caught up in thinking that well i'm doing it for justice and for the right cause but at the end of the day when you're repaying evil for evil it is sin uh, another one and i don't even know if this is a sin but speeding it's something that you know is a, a big part of my life um i don't know what it is like 
I've just always got to be going a little bit faster than the cars next to me. And there's so many times where Julie's like, what's the speed limit? And I'm like, faster than him. And that's, that's my speed limit. It's just slightly faster, enough so I won't get caught, but just so enough so that I'm the fastest one out there. And it's like it would be the worst thing in the world that I actually hit a red light. I mean, I see the yellow lights coming. I'm watching the, the, the crosswalks. This is counting down five, four, three. I start gunning it because I know when that hits one, the light's going yellow. And so I see some people agreeing with me, you know, I'm not the only one. That's good. Uh, but and so I, I understand that reckless driving, you know, sin. If you're doing a 55 through a school zone when kids are kicking soccer balls on the street, that's probably, that's probably a sin. But doing, you know, 75 and a 55, it's a gray area, right? You know, so I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's, enti- yeah, my wife, that's our, our biggest area of struggle is when I'm driving and she's in the, in the passenger seat. Uh, but, like, it wouldn't be the worst thing to actually get stuck at a red light, right? Then I could properly check my fantasy f- football team, and then I could actually <laughs> add a couple more, more stations to my Pandora shuffle. She's just always grabbing my phone for me when I'm driving. Like, I, I'm a good multitasker, right? So, but these are, these are things where you can classify as sin or gray areas, but there's something in us that draws that out of us, that makes us want to, to go down that path. And so... Um, we are going to come back to those, uh, those two pieces of paper that you had in, in just a minute here. Uh, earlier this week, we all had the opportunity to exercise our right to vote. And so, you know, how fun was that going into the polls, you know, get to pick all the questions and then going home and just watching every single hour how it just changed and, you know, it was close for a while and then it was not so close and then, you know, certain people were panicking and social media just became this huge thing, you know, and so... It's fun to kind of voice your opinion on on certain things, things that you're passionate about, um, things even that you're not passionate about. I'm sure some people in here voted on things. They had no idea what they were voting. They just just picked one. But we're going to put some things up on screen today and give you guys a chance to, uh, to keep voting here. And so you've got, everybody's got, got two, two things in their hands. You've got a black and you've got a yellow. Should be easy to, to see the difference. And I want to encourage you right now to, even if there's something that you... Ooh, don't, don't, don't vote yet. Even if there's something where you're, like this one, you're, you're so tempted to, to pick both. And there's going to be some where you're tempted to pick neither. I want you guys to really try to pick one or the other. So here we go. On the count of three. Go ahead. One, two, three. Beaches or mountains? Who are you here? Wow. It's a, it's a pretty good split. Maybe leaning a little more toward, a little more toward uh, I'd say, the beach. All right. So once again, this next one, even if... Even if you like both or like neither, still please vote. Go ahead with the next slide. Coke or Pepsi, the endless debate. That is clearly, we are clearly a a church of Coke fans here. (laughs) All right, go ahead with the next slide. All right, LeBron or Jordan? I made it easy by not putting Kobe in the conversation here. But LeBron or Jordan, are you, are you a fan of the, the new king or the old king here? How's it going to be? This is pretty close. I see a lot, of Jordan, a lot of Jordan fans in the house. All right, here's the tough one for most of you. Remember, you can only pick one. You can only pick one. Wow, this is torn right down the middle. Oh, my goodness. This one might be easier for some of you. All right, go ahead. Uh, Beaver or Beyonce? You got to pick one. You got to pick one. (laughs) Beyonce. All right, go ahead and fire up the next one. Oh, that's from last week. Go ahead. You can skip to the next one. Um, 
So the, we're, the next, next couple things to vote on, I want, you some, I want you to kind of think of not who you want to be, but actually who you are. So actually envision your last like seven to 10 days and then vote kind of based on who you are rather than who you'd like to be. So this first one uh, we'll bring up here, is this your typical seven to 10 days when you're with your significant other, your roommates, do you spend your time here or do you spend most of your time kind of engaged? So which one are, which one are you currently? And this will be tough. I see a lot of people not voting. But <laughs> Very good. I, I like to see the yellows out there. All right, let's go with the, the next slide for you parents out there. This one breaks my heart when I see it, but I've, I've been guilty of it as well. I've definitely been guilty of that. Or are you a little more engaged? Are you able to put the technology away and focus your time on your kids? All right, I know we have a lot of students out there, so this next one will hit home. How are you spending your free time? Is this, is this what your free time looks like, or are you cracking down and hitting the book? So, Very good. You guys are having too much fun with this poll. Uh, so let's go to the next slide. You don't really need to vote on this one. This is kind of, of obvious. But it's based on the previous slide where if you spend the bulk of your time, your free time doing one activity, it might lead or have a better chance going one direction. And if you're cracking down doing the studies, obviously you have a better chance of the reward uh, being on the, on the yellow side here. And so I want to encourage you to strive to make decisions based on the destination. And we're going to see this in, in a couple more slides here. Fire up the next one. So remember in the last seven to ten days, have you made this choice more often or this choice? That's pretty heavy on the, on the, on the black side, but I, I do see a lot, of, a lot of yellow, too. All right, the next one. This is tough being in Southern California. I mean, we could all put up the black one. Now, are you making this choice more, or are you making this choice? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's me. Okay. And so, as a, as a young child, you always have idols, and you think, when I grow up, I want to be like somebody. Did anybody ever think they wanted to be like Peter Griffin? Or, or did you aspire to be a little bit more like the Italian stallion, you know, taking on communism, you know? And so, but what I want you to understand is that the choices that we make on a daily basis are slowly going to affect our future. For example, let's do a little basic math. If you have this plus this, it's very unlikely that you're ever going to defeat, <laughs> defeat you know, Russia. It's more likely instead, if you have a, a, a daily habits that again and again consist of sleeping in, eating unhealthy, you're probably more likely to end up punching a chicken. And so that, that's our, our main point today, is you don't want to punch a chicken. So <laughs> thank you for having fun, some fun with that. But, but we're going through Romans right now. And uh, before we jump into the, into the scripture, um, yeah, I do want to spend a moment in prayer. So let's uh, please go ahead and bow your heads with me and let's open up in prayer. So. Father, we just thank you that we can be here today in your house, Father. We thank you for your word, Lord. We thank you for the truth found in scripture, Father. God, and I just pray right now that your word will penetrate deep into our hearts, Father. God, I pray that if there's anyone here today, Lord, who needs to be uh, convicted of something in their lives, God, if there's anyone here who needs to be encouraged, if there is anyone here who needs to receive peace, Father, God, I pray that you would just reveal those t uh, to us today, God. So let your spirit just be here today, Lord. God, let our, let our hearts be ripe for receiving the seed that you have for us today. And in your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thank you. 
All right, so we've been going through uh, the book of Romans. Last week, Ken uh, walked us through the first half of chapter 6. So we're going to pick it right up where we left off with another hypothetical question here in Romans 6. We are in verse 15, and it says, What then shall we sin because we are not under the law, but under grace? By no means. Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that though you used to be, I love the past tense there, though you used to be slaves to sin, you have come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has now claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. I am using an example from everyday life because of your human limitations. Just as you used to offer yourselves as slaves to impurity and to ever-increasing wickedness, so now offer yourselves as slaves to righteousness leading to holiness. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the control of righteousness. What benefit did you reap at the time from the things that you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now I want you to keep in mind here that Paul is writing this to a church, to the church in Rome, and not just any church. This is like the first century church. I mean, these are people who probably had heard Jesus speak, probably heard him teach, maybe even saw a miracle. So it, in Paul's writing this to the church, he's not writing this to just a random group of sinful unbelievers. So what that should tell us right away is that even within the church, sin is prevalent. You know, just because you, you come here every Sunday and just because you're in a small group does not mean that you are absent from this idea of being a slave to sin. So as Paul is addressing uh, this, this group, he's addressing the church in Rome. And the fact... Um, let me just tell you a little bit about myself. So I am a 38-year-old white male, born into a white family in America. I understand that I'm free. I understand I have the right to vote. I have the right to carry a gun. I have the right to choose my own career. I am free. But even though I'm free, I will never have the same understanding of freedom when compared to somebody who was once a slave. I mean, imagine being born a slave, and that's in... If you're, if you're like me and you've been born in America and you've been given every right and every opportunity, it's really hard to take yourself back and think what it would be like to actually be a child watching your parents get up, do exactly what they're told, work long, endless hours. You don't get to like hang out with your dad during the day. You're probably put to work as well doing something. And then imagine having your, your mom and your dad just living a life without really any hope or vision. Like what hope or vision can a slave have? Tomorrow's going to be the same thing. A year from now, the same thing. 10 years, 20 years later, the same thing. You still don't have that power to make the decision to choose your own life, to choose your own destiny. And, and that's definitely hard for me to understand because I've, I've never had to live that path. Um, now, the definition of a slave is a slave is someone who is not in full control of their actions. A slave has to do what their master demands. And so for you note takers, our first point today, and if you have that yellow sheet, that's a great sheet you can take notes on, feel free to do that. 
but most of you probably have an app anyway. But our first point today when talking about sin is that sin will make you a slave. And jumping back into Romans uh, verse 16 here, Paul says, you are slaves of the one you obey, whether you are slaves to sin, which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. And this isn't just an idea that Paul had. If we could jump into the Gospel of John here in John 8:34, Jesus himself says, very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And so whether you like it or not, we're all slaves to something. If you have a full-time job, as long as you choose to accept that paycheck that you get, those wages that you get every week or every other week, you are essentially a slave to that work schedule, and you've let your boss become your master. If you, um, some of us have apps on our phone that you just can't put down, and so our, our kids around, our spouse is around, but yet we're still checking our, our apps. We've kind of become a slave to our technology. Um, I remember, you know, probably about 10 years ago when Facebook just came out, you know, you'd use it once or twice a week, maybe once or twice a day, but now it's like every 30, 40 minutes you're jumping on there just to see if you might have a few more likes of that picture you put up, you know, or just to see what friends might be really freaking out about everything that's going on, you know, in the world today. So we kind of become a slave to these things. I know on Sunday I can become a slave to, uh, you know, my football fantasy app. You know, I want to see what my running back's doing, what my tight end's doing. Do I need to pick up a different kicker for Monday night? Like there's all these things that you're like, and my wife's like, you know, will have to tell me sometimes to put that away. And same thing, you know, we become a slave to these things that we allow in our lives. I know if you're, if you're an athlete, you actually make the choice for your body to become a slave. You know, no athlete is just an athlete overnight. You know, there's, there's a strict routine of, you know, getting up early while others are sleeping, eating the right foods while others are eating unhealthy. Um, and then doing it again, doing it again, doing it again, year in, year out. You're building a skill set, you're training. And so you're, you make your body a slave because you have this end goal of, of what you want to achieve. And so we all are a slave uh, to something. And as a mature Christian, you might be thinking, how can I be a slave to sin? After all, I'm forgiven. My sins are wiped away. It's okay if I sin from time to time because Christ's blood has already forgiven my sins, past, present, and future. And I'm not saying that's not true. That is, that is 100% true. Christ's blood has washed that all away. However, here's the thing. Sin pushes you farther than you ever wanted to go. And just think how quickly giving into sin just a few times can lead to a terrible habit of, let's just call it repetitive sin. And then before you know it, you become a slave to sin. Uh, think of like something as, as simple and innocent as telling a little white lie. Seems innocent, you're like, cool, got away with it. But then all of a sudden, a follow-up question. Then somebody else hears about it, and they come back and say, I thought you said this. And now you... you end up creating this whole story just to cover up this one little innocent white lie, and without realizing it, you've now committed 12, 15, 20 sins based around that one little white lie. And that's how quickly sin can take control of you and become your master. Think of, uh, think of King David, um, you know, a man after God's own heart. He simply sees a woman. He, he lusts over the woman, and that leads to him you know, contacting the woman, having the woman brought to him, uh, having an impure relationship with the woman. Then eventually it leads to the point to where he has the woman's wife put on the front lines and killed. And this wasn't just like any man. This was like a general in the army. It's, I mean, David knew him face to face. This wasn't just some random guy. He's having his friend murdered all because this little sin of lust 
And I know many of us Christians, we just think, I've just got this little sin here that I deal with time to time. And to think that, oh, lust can't lead to murder? Well, it did in David's example. And so what in your life, by giving into sin just a little bit here and a little bit there, if it becomes your master, it can lead you down a road and take you farther than you ever wanted to go. Uh, next point here, sin can be infectious. It can infect others with the same attitude. Have you ever woke up, kind of they say on the wrong side of the bed, or you wake up grouchy, and just from the, your first, the first onset of your day, you're being a little bit sharp, a little bit rude with the person around you, whether it's your roommate, your spouse, your mother, your father. When somebody is like sharp with you first thing in the morning, how do you usually respond? usually come right back with something else cutting. What's wrong with you? Did you wake up on the wrong side of the bed? And all of a sudden, you're now at odds with somebody for the entire day. So your sin, that little sin of just waking up and being a little bit rude to somebody, has now affected somebody else, and they're being rude to you. And that person might go on to work and now be rude to somebody else at work based on a situation at home. And so sin can definitely be infectious. Our, Our next point here is sin will also make you feel ashamed. We started out this morning talking about some sins that are fun and enjoyable, and I didn't really give you guys enough time to talk about those sins that are shameful, and I don't know if anybody would have, you know, today, but chances are in your small group, there's been a time where you guys have sat down and really had a heart-to-heart talk about some of those sins, you know, that that you're ashamed of. They're ones that you don't even want to bring up. I remember a few weeks ago uh, when Wilson was speaking, he said that not even for a million dollars he would share his deepest, darkest sins. And I think all of us can probably agree with that because that would totally tarnish who we are. It would tarnish our legacy. It would tarnish, you know, if... If, if you knew all of our deepest, deepest darkest sins, it's going to be a hard, a hard time for anybody to follow you knowing that, that you're capable of those things. And so we keep those things hidden. We keep them put away because we're ashamed of those. And that's not, that's not just one or two of you. If you were to look around, everybody in here is dealing with something or has dealt with something in their life that is so shameful that it's really hard for them to bring up in public. I think of Adam and Eve in the garden. Once they were aware that they had sinned, they became so ashamed that they attempted to hide from God. And when you just think about that, okay, I'm going to hide from God. Now, if I play hide and seek with my kids, I've got some great spots where it's tough for them to find me. We once had this couch where the pillows could be removed, and so I would remove the pillows just enough to slide myself in behind it so it looked just like a couch. And it was a great hiding spot. And then once they figured it out, you know, it was over. So you, I can hide from my kids. But to think that I could hide from God, that's just ridiculous. But yet Adam and Eve thought that they could hide from God. In Genesis 3, 8 to 10, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. So sin, one, it makes us a slave. Two, it makes you feel ashamed. Let's jump back into Romans here into our text. In verse 21, it says, What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. And that brings us to our third point. Sin will spread death throughout your whole existence. I want to have the, invite the band to come on up here. And as we just walk through this next point here, sin will spread death throughout your whole existence. Sin equals darkness. Much like that black sheet of paper that you guys all have, 
And when you're in darkness, you cannot see the light. I love this verse in 2 Corinthians 4.4. It says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel. Let's read that again. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Now, notice in this verse, when it says the God of this age, it's a lowercase g. So that's not referring to our God. That's referring to the God of this world, the sinful world that we live in. And if you're a slave to sin, you are serving the God of this world. And your mind has been blinded, and you cannot see the light. Do you ever wonder how Christians can have such a different view of things, of sin, compared to the world around them? This verse gives us the the clear answer right here. So unbelievers, even though they may be the nicest, the sweetest, the most welcoming or open-minded people, they see things in this world and they don't recognize them as sin. And so if you're not looking through the light of the gospel, if you're not looking through the lens of Christ, you will never recognize all the things in this world that are considered sin, sins that are waiting to enslave you. And Christians often get accused of being closed-minded, but I argue that Christians are not closed-minded. Rather, our minds have been opened, and the light of the gospel reveals these things as sin. The gospel reveals these truths to help us prevent us from becoming a slave to sin, which eventually results in death. So now that our eyes have been opened, now that Christ has paid the penalty for our sin, why would you ever choose to return to sin and let sin become your master? Get this image in your mind for just a minute. Think of that image of a slave that Paul's using in this text. Imagine being a slave where you don't have the the capacity to dream. You don't have the power to set your own future because you're in bondage. I can only imagine that the happiest day of your life would be that day where you actually get your freedom, right? You now have the power to to go after your dream. You now have the power to choose when you want to sleep, to choose when you want to eat, to provide for your kids. What slave in their right mind would ever turn around and walk back towards slavery? Like that doesn't even make sense. But in our Christian walk, in our spiritual journey, how often... Do we turn around and do we go right back to that sin over and over and over? Christ has set us free. He's calling us to be slaves to righteousness, but yet something in us keeps urging us to become a slave to sin. And so brothers and sisters, I'm speaking to you today and we have been set free. In verse 22 it says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God, The benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. We are all free from sin and death. We are free from guilt and shame. We reap holiness and eternal life. You've all heard the saying, you get what you pay for. Or you could also say, you get what you work for. And in verse 23, he sums it up here by saying, The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus our Lord. We're approaching the holiday season here and 
something I love is the father is just being in, in the stores and in the malls and seeing something and watching my kid run up to it, knowing that that's something that they want, something they crave. And then the way that the parents have to secretly get that present bought without the kids seeing it and get it wrapped and under the tree. Like, it's such a fun and amazing process. You get to be a part of it now. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. You know, being able to give gifts to your kids. But what good is a gift? What good is a gift if it's never opened? We've been given this gift of freedom and we keep choosing bondage. The gift is eternal life. And what does that mean when you hear eternal life? We so often just think that means heaven, yes. But in John 17, 3, it says, Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I want to close with this verse, and then we will enter into a time of worship and response. In Galatians 5, 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. We have that choice now. We can, we can do whatever we want. I know that within you, many of you out here, you have something in you. You have this burning. Nobody, nobody in here wants to grow up and be a nobody. We want to change the world, right? I know there's people in here who are, are passionate about the, helping the sick, who are passionate about helping those with special needs, who are passionate about helping the lost. And that's something that with this freedom we can actually go after. But as long as you're allowing yourself to be under the burden of sin and shackled, imagine your feet just shackled and you can only go about six or eight feet in every direction and only do the work that sin has for you. There's no freedom in that. You will never accomplish those dreams and those things that you have if you're holding on to sin. So do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. second and actually visualize what that chain looks like, what that bondage is that's holding you back. I'll give you guys just a second to get that. What is it that you keep going back to? The one thing that you wish you could shake, that you wish was not a part of your life, that you wish you would never return to. 
What is that one thing? And on the count of three, we're going to go ahead and just rip that paper in half and symbolize breaking free from that sin. You have that in your, in your mind? Let's go ahead. And on the count of three, one, two, three, rip that right down the middle. And we're going to enter into a time of response and worship. There's communion elements on the side. But if you would like prayer today, if you have a real deep struggle, and I want everybody, as you're on your way to the communion elements, come and drop those pieces of paper here at the altar. And if you, if you need prayer today, stay here at the altar and just rip that piece of paper up. Keep ripping into tiny little million pieces until somebody comes and prays with you. I want to make sure that when we walk out this door today, that we have everybody walking out of freedom. Nobody is leaving today walking out of bondage. Amen? Amen. Amen.